Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ben from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. What's up? And we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you think about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to, re- to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas, or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And finally, Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin-star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And on today's show, we have food stylist, food writer, and presenter, Genevieve Taylor. Hi, Genevieve, are you right? Yeah, I'm good. Hello. Thanks for coming on the show. It's good to finally oh, get to a, speak to you. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, awesome timing, I guess, coming on the show at this moment, though, because you've just got a new book out. I have. It was published last Thursday, yeah, so it's, um, it's a brand new book, so it's very exciting. Yeah, and I I got a copy of it over the weekend and have been perusing <laughs> it, and it is amazing. There's so many cool recipes, isn't there? There's just something for everyone, I think, in this book. Yeah, yeah. So it's MasterChef Street Food of the World, and um, it's not specifically barbecue, but, you know, as you know, some of the best street food in the world is cooked over a, over a grill, um, so there's lots of barbecue stuff in there. Was it an amalgamation of sort of recipes that, from your travels and stuff and, and uh, other people's travels and bits and pieces? Yeah, so it, it was commissioned by the MasterChef brand. So there's um, 12 recipes from contributors from all over the world because, you know, they do MasterChef all over the world. So sort of winners uh, okay, from everywhere. Cool. So the good thing about that is the book that is sold in all those territories all over the world. Um, and then the rest of the recipes, which is kind of like 110 or something, um, were my recipes. Because you know I'm a food writer and that, that's what I do. So they're, yeah, you, they're recipes that have been inspired by travels that I've done over the years. Um, and I love kind of spicy food, and I love kind of, I love really low key eating. You know, I'm not not remotely interested in sort of fine dining and Michelin stars. I like I like eating and cooking outside and keeping it keeping it real. Cool, but they're like the. Um, street food is like a real phenomenon, really, at the moment, isn't it? It's like it ultimate is, for yeah. foodies. That's where everyone's looking at. It's, I think over this weekend, I'm going to New York in a few weeks' time, and I after nice. after receiving your book, I, before <laughs> before now, I'd just been looking at like barbecue restaurants and outdoor eating and stuff, and I hadn't really considered just street food in general. So I, after receiving yeah. your book, I was like, right, New York street food scene. What, yeah. what, what's going on? that sounds cool well there's all you know there's sort of endless variations on hot dogs and i guess because new york is such a melting pot of kind of cultures because of all the immigration over years and years that you can find anything you want to eat in new york anything at all 
Definitely. And, uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be, that sounds great. I'm quite jealous. <laughs> well, I think like we had like the a few years back we had like sort of the revolution of the like sort of I don't know it sort of came from the Michelin star restaurants. You then had sort of all the sort of food science and mm. and molecular stuff going on yeah. and, and bits like yeah. that. And then I think what's great about street food and great about just sort of outdoor eating is just a sim- it mm. takes food back to the simplistic things and yeah. really makes the ingredients speak volumes so that's what i, I love about food is, is i mean especially barbecue and, and cooking outside yeah. and stuff is is the fact that we are taking just simple ingredients and really just trying to bring out the best in them by either slow cooking them cooking them over direct fire uh, indirect yeah. fire a bit of smoke or curing them and stuff like that and it's those simplistic vibes that you get from street food but actually everything packs such a punch because it's it's actually with flavor and and using those ingredients to, to to do the talking really yeah no exactly it's exactly that and it's just sort of it's kind of unpretentious as well and i think you know it's a great thing to do with your friends because it's really low-key and sociable and nobody has to sort of stand on ceremony and i like the fact that the very best street food you kind of tuck in with your hands don't you it's not exactly, sort of, yeah, it's yeah. not kind of knife and fork and napkin and tablecloth eating it's kind of just get stuck in there and yeah. you know have a have a couple of beers and just sort of you know it's that's it's my kind of eating really yeah it's, it's really accessible for everyone people can read your yeah. recipes and have normally yeah. got the ingredients readily available to them it's not there's not yeah. normally any skills involved that that people don't already have or or aren't easy to learn there's nothing sort of there's nothing scary in street food i find it's all quite accessible. i don't know ex- yeah accessible and in, in, intuitive really yeah yeah no it really is and i mean i guess because it's from the recipes of from all over the world there are definitely ingredients there which will be new to some people but and you know if you live in the middle of the countryside it might be kind of hard to get some of those ingredients but you can find them all on the internet these days. That's the amazing thing. You know, there's there's great websites with ingredients and spices and all sorts. You can kind of get whatever you want, really, wherever you live now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the in your Master Chef Street Food book, you've got Americas, Europe, Africa, Middle East, um, yeah, India, Asia. But what what's your what's if you had to pick one recipe out of there? What's your favourite one? Oh God, I'm, I would be really bad at that, but I've um. I spent an awful lot of time kind of in Indonesia and Malaysia a few years ago when I was I used to work as a television producer um, and I did a lot of traveling in that part of the world and I love it I can just you know if I shut my eyes now and, and sort of take a big breath in I can sort of smell it all the spices and yeah that's I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of the world awesome um, yeah. and it's kind of all those satays and that fresh vibrant you know stuff um, limes and Yummy stuff. Definitely. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. Just That's all I'm doing. I'm just daydreaming now about food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Let's just get on a plane and go somewhere warm. Cool. You paying? <laughs> Eat some nice food. So I think like I've I've travelled quite a bit, and I mean I've been to yeah. some really expensive restaurants and all the rest of it. But my sort of favourite food experiences have always been sort of like. Uh, wandering through the markets in sort of Cambodia yeah. or or the yeah. hawker markets in like Singapore and places like that mm. and, and eating for like two dollars for like an amazing amount of food and, and just trying loads of stuff around and, and I don't know just in like the side alleys in Hong Kong just all those sort of memories for me have always been like the sort of best memories of, of food and, and yeah and that's what street yeah. food really does it, it is fantastic totally yeah totally for real yeah it's, it's definitely 
yeah. definitely a way to go. There's, there's so many recipes in the book that I've got to try. Like, I, to be honest, yeah. all I've done so what, far. What, what is, do you reckon you're going to try first? Well, then I've, I've already, ha- I've already tried. I haven't tried a recipe on its own, but I was <laughs> at, at the weekend. I had already planned. I plan out what I'm cooking quite far in advance, yeah. so I'd already planned yeah. out what I was cooking, but I had to make some slight <laughs> adjustments to it because I liked <laughs> the look of the like uh, Cajun sort of spices that came in the Cajun shrimp po' boy dish. Oh, that you did. yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, really I was doing cute. a I was doing a chicken burger that was like going to go off the scale on extremism, and I thought <laughs> that these Cajun seasonings are going to work well for me, so I. Used that Cajun yeah. seasoning rub mixed up with some mayonnaise to make a sauce for the chicken mm. burger, and it was awesome. It was, it did work well. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really good. Yeah, but there's there's too many things in there. I've got to go through. I'll, I'll be, you'll be soon getting lots of stuff on Instagram of yeah, recipes yeah, get, that get, we've tried out for your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so this isn't this isn't your first book that you've produced. Uh, no, you've got quite it's not. A few. Yeah, no, I do. I've, this is um, this is my eighth book. Um, yeah, so my first one came out in sort of 2011, and that was on stews and stuff. So I've written all sorts of books and all sorts of kind of cookery subjects. But this one and the one I wrote before, which is called How to Eat Outside, are probably my favourites because they're all um, How to Eat Outside specifically was about cooking and eating outside. Um, so it was kind of barbecues and it was kind of cooking up mountains and on the beach, you know, fires on the beach and all that sort of stuff. Again, really kind of low key stuff. But and that came from memories, like you were just saying about memories. You know, if I if I sort of cast my mind back and thought of all my favourite meals ever, they've all been outside. You know, on a beach or and they don't need to be fancy. You know, like a opening a tuna fish on a tropical beach that's pretty special isn't it but you know just stuff just memories of of time and place really and where you were so that's what that book was about kind of making the most of outside and yeah it um, is and it's just when when we had a flip through it around christmas time we saw that book and it was just it was just again like something for everyone and it was Mm. kind of just like a very widespread like all sorts of stuff and just nice things you'd expect to have like in the summer when you're outside really yeah yeah and not when it's you know sometimes when it's not such nice weather it's it's really invigorating to get outside i find when i'm feeling rubbish and hating the winter you know wrap it warm and spend an hour outside yeah, you feel much better yeah. for it afterwards yeah i mean we're we... outside all the time <laughs> doesn't matter yeah. what the weather's like we're just out there <laughs> yeah, like crazy exactly. men <laughs> we recently yeah. just released our first book even though it was more like a leaflet but that was al fresco <laughs> christmas yeah so we were yeah, that's all about just getting encouraging people to get outside and cook their christmas meal or or over the christmas yeah. period not just christmas dinner but getting outside and, and really making the most yeah. out of uh out of some great weather especially yeah. for like sort of cold smoking and stuff like that i mean you can't beat yeah. it yeah, no, definitely. Sounds good. So Sounds really good. Normally at the beginning, the first, uh, we just dive straight in. Normally at the beginning, we get someone to introduce themselves yeah. and give a little bit of background on them, but I just went straight in because I was too excited yeah. about your new book. Ah! So, <laughs> do you, just, do you want to just give us a little background about who you are and like how you got into this scene? Yeah, no, so, so I am, um, I'm a food, food writer and stylist and, and presenter and, um, I don't know, I guess I've been cooking since I was about five or six. I've been cooking forever. It's just the thing that 
always felt like it came naturally to me. Um, and then I went off and did a biology degree and ended up as a wildlife TV producer for a few years. And, um, and that was amazing. And that's where I've done a lot of my traveling around the world. Um, and then I had my kids and thought, I don't want to do that anymore. It's too tricky. And food was the thing I naturally turned to. And I've just been, my son's 12 and a half now, and I've just been sort of building up every year, doing a bit more. And, you know, just had a few lucky breaks and worked really hard and got got my fingers in quite a few different different pies and do lot, lots of different stuff all to do with food, really. But it's a really diverse career, you know. So I've written this book on street food for MasterChef and then... I also did all the food styling for Poldark. So cooked kind of big historical banquets for a kind of drama. And I've worked on a few feature films doing kind of historical food. Um, so there's never a never a dull day. It's always there's always something different going on. Yeah. Do you, you have to do a lot of research into like the types of food that there would have been around those times and like yeah. try and be very accurate with it all? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the series um, had a historian, um, Dr. Hannah. Greg from York University, so I, I spoke with her quite a lot, and she gave me lots of references to look up about the kinds of food they would have eaten and how they would have eaten it. You know, they liked everything to be really symmetrical on the table, and you know how they would have laid it all out. So we did some, um, yeah, we did lots of sort of thinking about it and planning beforehand. I'm guessing I don't, I don't know if you had to cook it in the style they'd have cooked it back then as well, but that would have involved probably a lot more outdoor style cooking, wouldn't it? I did. Um, I did cook. I, I mean, I cooked most of it in my kitchen at home in Bristol. To be fair, um, I had they they wanted a whole kind of roast pig, and I, I I just couldn't get it either on my barbecue or in my oven. So I had to send it off to the butchers to be cooked because um, it was like an absolute beast, yeah. um, which is a bit of a shame. But did you get to eat it though? No, no I didn't because the, yeah, yeah, it was. But the you know the kind of crew kind of savaged it afterwards. I think that <laughs> on on these kind of dramas and stuff, they do such long days that they you know, they don't tend to finish until eleven o'clock at night, and then it's just the sort of the the kind of crew there, um, and they they ate it all. I think. Yeah, I think, does, I think does it does get savage. Is, is there a lot of food that's yeah. just wasted because it's just got to sit well, there on camera for hours? Mm, or... Some, I mean, some of it inevitably gets wasted, but the the it tends to be quite hungry, hungry people, so they the they sort of savaged <laughs> it. Yeah, <laughs> I think most of it got eaten. Yeah, so you do have to make <laughs> sure it tastes nice as well as just look good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's the that's the, the trick to food styling. If it if I, if it tastes nice, I know I can make it look nice. Yeah, so we all, I guess we all want to be little food stylers in our own way because we're taking all our photos of food. Can you give us any yeah. top tips on like how to <laughs> present our food nicely for our Instagram posts? <laughs> yeah, top tips for Instagram. Well, I, the way I look at it is you kind of imagine your plate is like the picture frame to the food. So you're kind of thinking, you're thinking about the spaces you're leaving as well as the food you're putting on there. Does that sound? Does yep. that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. you're so you're sort of thinking about the areas, the gaps, and the areas. Yeah. Um, so that's important. Not sort of just bunging on masses of food so it just all looks too much. As a general rule with food styling, kind of less is more. Don't okay, don't yeah. sort of don't overdo it. Get and also, down. if you've got much. a uh, <laughs> 
But you always put more on when you're eating it. Ah, uh, okay. You know? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. I do yeah, generally do that. that. I plate just up my food, which looks nothing like like my wife and kids' <laughs> plates. They're, <laughs> they're just loaded right up, and I'm just like... Load up. Just decorate yeah, mine nicely. <laughs> and then I'll load it on afterwards after I've taken the yeah, photo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always do that. I always do that. And the other thing is just make sure, you know, if you've got a salad and it's got kind of half a dozen different ingredients in it, you want to make sure that you can kind of look at that plate of food and in an instant you can kind of read it so all the elements are there that you can see it so if it's got walnuts in it for example they're not all buried underneath the lettuce just you know just make sure all the little individual bits are visible really Mm -hmm. that's quite key to it but other than that there's not a great deal to it you know like I say if you if you make it and it tastes great then it's pretty easy to make it look good as well that's what I think it's made me think then like you see some photos sometimes and people have like the sort of the raw ingredients scattered on, on like the table sort of next to the yeah. plates and stuff. And I've never really yeah. thought about, but not, re- not really thought about it, but I've looked at it and thought, yeah, well, those are obviously the ingredients in it. But I guess that does make it really Obviously. easily identifiable to, to what is in the dish, which is quite Yeah, quite cool. a little okay. bit. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I don't like chucking too many raw ingredients because if you sort of put little piles of this and that around it, it can start to look all a bit, yeah. contrived you know but yeah but it's just sort of making sure that there's elements of each ingredient that you can see like the main things obviously not stuff like lemon juice and stuff like that but yeah <laughs> you've got to work with some pretty awesome photographers as well like david loftus has photographed all your I stuff have. he's like yeah. probably my favorite photographer on instagram he's right? amazing yeah he's so and he's such a nice guy as well he's just sort of really low key and modest and uh yeah no he's great so i've um been lucky enough to do the food styling on several of the master chef books now and that's how i got to write this one because we've done three books together and then master chef came and said would i like to write this next one as well so that was that was a real honor but yeah david's a really nice guy to work with yeah that was going to be one of my questions was that how did it come about writing yeah. a book for master chef yeah well i mean because yeah because i had that connection with them and not you know done the the styling and they'd seen my other books as well I think and um the publisher of it Bloomsbury had they published some of my other books so they sort of knew that I could could do it really and they know my style of food and that I like you know unpretentious cooking and lots of spices and all that sort of stuff so yeah they asked me if I wanted to do it and of course I said yes yeah why wouldn't I yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and you also do a lot of work with their Napoleon Grills which we, we've seen like a lot of their uh, sort of videos and stuff you've done with them on the Napoleon Grills website? Yes. So they're a um, big Canadian brand of barbecue um, and they are trying to break into the market over here, basically, and I'm their ambassador. Cool. Um, they're cooking ambassador, so I write them lots of recipes, um, which is really fab. Yeah, no, I realise it. I mean, they're fantastic barbecues. They do a lot of gas barbecues and they do some charcoal barbecues. And I've got I've got a whole collection of barbecues in my garden here. So I kind of cook on all sorts. <laughs> I have to say, I, the gas ones are brilliant for in the middle of winter. You know, it's like a dark weeknight and you just want a bit of steak or something and you just go out, fire it up, bang it on and you're back inside in sort of 10 minutes. So they're fab. They're really, you know, I I think gas is is good. It's really convenient. There's lots lots of positives about it. And then I tend to use the charcoal one for more sort of low and slow stuff and and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, cool. Loads of the recipe videos are really, really cool and and, mm. and good for inspiration and stuff. Like the, you had the the uh, it was like a pork loin joint or something like that, where you basically cut cut it almost through and then stuffed it with some some bits yeah. and pieces and on the rotisserie. Yeah, and that looked Slices really, really nice. Of orange and bacon, yeah, yeah. I think and garlic and then yeah on a rotisserie spike, which is a fantastic. Just... I love it and because it's turning constantly, it's kind of basting itself and it stays really kind of moist and juicy and lovely. But the crackling on the outside was amazing yeah, as well because that's got the, so that was yeah that was a big hit with my family. Yeah, but immediately that that one idea of doing that with that joint mm. then opens mm. up like a hundred different recipes of different stuffings yeah, exactly. and stuff and you rubs you can put on the outside. And... Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah, no, it's, um, and that's what I like about kind of the barbecue cooking community where everybody's always really willing to share ideas. And It's like an easier way of doing a porchetta, of... that is. So you can yeah. Just... yeah <laughs> exactly. Rather than open it all yeah. out, rolling it up and strapping it back together, you can yeah, just... Yeah, so you sort of slice the joint open, yeah. almost like you're making garlic bread. You know, you sort of slice it through, but not all the way. And then you skewer it back together with some metal skewers. Yeah, like you said, that's a cool thing about, about the community is that everyone sort of gives back to each other and we all yeah. draw inspiration from each other and share stuff. Exactly, yeah. And it's not it's, it's not kind of hardcore competitive, is it? It's sort of, I, think, I think the thing about barbecuing, it's kind of born out of people who are, want to be social with each other and just sort of, you know, share a, share a beer and cook and chat. And it's a very sociable way of cooking. Yeah, definitely. That's what you say. You never have people around your house for a microwave, do yeah. you? You have them around for a barbecue. No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, go just pop something in the microwave. Bing! <laughs> um, yeah, and the video, there's awesome videos like you get outside, see you down the beach cooking and all sorts of things. It really yeah. shows off exactly what the whole barbecue world's all about, really, doesn't it? Yeah. No, exactly. Oh, I'm really glad you liked them. Yeah, no, we're doing a whole series more this year. So they're just about to, we filmed eight more last year and they're just about to release all of those, which is good as we kind of build up towards the sort of main season. And then, and then I'm making, um, making another, another load this year that will kind of come out towards the end of the summer, probably, or some for next spring, I think. So yeah, no, it's sort of an ongoing relationship. So that's, that's cool. Nice. Perfect. And, I know you haven't got much time left. Uh, you're going to be doing some work with Country File soon, I think, as well, aren't you? To yeah, so Red, um, Red Tractor, the food standards agency, who sort of look after kind of farming and that sort of thing. I, I made some films for them last year um, that were barbecuing, and they asked me to make them a whole load more this year with Adam Henson from Country File, who's, um, by his own admission, a notoriously rubbish chef. So, um, <laughs> so can't, fun, he then. can't he can't cook to save his life. So I'm going to teach him how to barbecue, and he's going to tell me a bit more about kind of you know red tractor and you know farming and food and that sort of thing. So that they, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so I think they'll probably be out towards the end of April, early May, probably. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we look forward yeah. to seeing that. Yeah. Right. Well, I know I know you've got to get off. So thanks for your time for coming on. Um, Pleasure. Everyone needs to get get on Amazon, look up Master Chef Street Food of the World, order it. It's an awesome book. I'll, yeah, and I'll if anybody if anybody kind of gets it or any of my other books, you know, feel free to kind of shout me. I'm found on social media as Genevieve. So come and find me. Tell me what you cook, and um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Cool. Thanks very cool. much, Genevieve. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 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 That was awesome chatting to Genevieve. 
uh, yeah, her books are books are great, guys. Check them out. And uh, like I said on social media, Genevieve Eats. And uh, and yeah, great great person. And, and yeah, great chatting. So thank you very much for coming on. We're we're about to head off to uh, Birmingham. We're we're working with uh, Bunnings to to help train their staff. Uh, they're basically Bunnings are taking over home base. Give you a bit of background. Home base. Uh, have been taken over by Bunnings. <laughs> it works both ways. But Bunnings is like a large, it's like, imagine a similar company to Homebase, but based in Australia and uh, really, really big over there. And uh, they've taken over Homebase and they are opening, they've got one store open already, but they're opening the rest of them over the sort of the next few weeks. Yeah. And they're holding like a, a really big staff training up at the uh, NEC. So, me and Ben are heading up to uh, give them a sort of intro. And yeah. I think and the awesome thing about what Bunnings are going to be doing is like pushing barbecue massively. They've got so many brands on board that are going to be in their stores. And that's, I think that, I don't know how much of the rebranding is going to be happening to like home-based stores. Maybe they'll all be rebranded or whatever. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I think, I think most of them are, are pushing into the home base anyway, aren't they? So yeah. we're going up there, deliver training on Kamado Joe, Bradley Oz Smokers, Ozpig. We've got a few recipes that we're going to share with everyone. Yeah, just trying to hopefully pass on some of the passion that we both have for for barbecue and and again those products and just uh, I don't know, just giving them some some answers for for people when they're in there looking at barbecues why why they should be buying uh, these sort of barbecues or, or or what they can do with them and and just trying to just give them a bit more education so they can better sell and better help people get involved in the barbecue community. Really. Who knows? We might even convince some of the staff to buy one <laughs> easily. Definitely. <laughs> so, what we're we going to be cooking over the weekend? Then we, uh, I spent yep. the weekend developing some sort of. Uh, I've done a lot of chili recipes. We're going to be cooking a chili on the uh, Oz Pig when we're up there. So, we'll get that going in the Dutch oven. The Oz Pigs. For anyone that doesn't know, the Oz Pig is like a, I'd say like a campfire stove sort of thing, but also like uh, sort of like a path, like I don't know, like a fire, like a patio heater sort of thing as well at the same yeah, time. You do a but bit of everything really. Yeah, but the way it's sort of structured it's structured so that you can fuel it on wood you can fuel it on charcoal uh it's got like this little heat beads basket where basically like you put charcoal in and in the top there and basically it's to give you like a longer burn rather than Mm. running ramping through hundreds of uh of just like wood as fuel yeah Uh, you can sit on top of that you can sit like woks dutch ovens bits and pieces like that there's like so much you can do with it rotisserie there's yeah it's got loads of accessories isn't it I've and seen, I've I mean, I'm sure some people are like using them like as little heaters, like inside there. Yeah, like yeah. So and tents and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so from the uh, the exhaust is like a really sort of high exhaust, so you can run it out of your uh, out of your tent. A lot of a lot of tents these days you can pick up with exhaust uh, exhaust holes. Mm. So basically, the height of the uh, of the vent then like lets you have a low temperature at the top, so it's not going to burn or melt or anything with your mm. tent. But it will slot in there and basically allows you to have warmth inside your tent whilst getting rid of the fumes at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've all, I've got a another one called like an anave stove. Uh, yeah, similar design. Yeah, really, similar design as well, and and also a great bit of kit. Uh, the anave stoves are really really cool. Really like those. So so yeah, similar bits of kit and, and do the similar sort of job. And then we've uh, Bradley Smokers. So you have been yeah. curing some bits and pieces. Yeah, I've been using it quite a lot over this weekend. I've been smoking. I've been cold smoking with it this weekend. I've tried out a bit of hot smoking in it. It's been pretty successful. It's just a very like precise product, I guess, really. You're just kind of 
got the little computer on the side of it. You set, I want it to smoke for this long. I want the oven to be this temperature, and I want the oven on for this long. And you can just kind of structure exactly what yeah. you do. So once so you've you got take away formula, the variables, then yeah. You once you've got a formula that you know works, it's guaranteed, guaranteed every time. Every time okay, cool. So it's quite good. From and what you've been doing, you uh, are you gonna? Because you sent me a, a bit of a jazzy picture. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, are you gonna expand on that, or is it top secret? Oh, what smoking the jazz in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, we're working on something with a brewery for Q Fest, so that's all I'll say for now. That's enough for me. It's a bit weird though, because we're on the site of a brewery, so I think a lot of people will probably guess what brewery yeah. you are working with. But anyway, so so, so we're just we're smoking some stuff for a brewery. Awesome. You awesome. you do the maths. Yeah, but you you there you were curing some salmon, so you got your salmon from. Yep, yeah, from more seafood. He's a good friend of ours. He's also sponsoring our seafood Q-fest round at QFest. Seafood round, so could make sure if you want seafood at QFest, let us know. We can get that sorted for you. That's um, for the teams, by the yeah, way, not, not just everyone, for anyone, not everyone coming. Yeah, I'll have uh, ten lobsters, please. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> no, one's, no, no one's having ten lobbers. Lobbers, <laughs> lobsters. Not even the team. Sorry, just saying. Let's <laughs> do that again. Sorry. Uh, so. And also, you, you've done some cheese. So you cured some salmon from more seafood. Yeah. Looked lush in the pictures, I have to admit. Yeah, the they salmon. were massive. And they were like fresh in off mm. of... They fresh in off the boats like that cool. day. So I picked cool. them up Friday night. They'd come in off the boats Friday morning. Don't get much better than that, does it? Nope. Love uh, that. So yeah. then you so cured them. cured that in... Did a mixture of just traditional plain rock salt. With some pink Himalayan salt as well, because I had some of that to use up, and I didn't have quite enough rock salt, uh, and then some brown sugar, and then mixed up with some lemon zest, lime zest, and some dill. Very nice. Looking forward to trying that, yeah. and then hit it with some smoke. What flavoured smoke? Oak. Okay. Yep. So I'm using the oak biscuits. So it was this was the longest smoke I've done in it because I was only using it for like four hours before, but I went for a f- eight hour smoke in it. The Bradley lets you do up to nine hours, but I actually only I calculated how many biscuits I had, and I actually only had enough to do eight hours, so it did eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> and but you can only use the biscuit, yeah. the Bradley biscuits with it. Yeah, 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 definitely. Cool. And they're 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 pretty cool actually. To be honest, it's it's just like pure wood. I think it's like ninety nine point nine eight percent wood and zero point zero two percent collagen or something like that. So it's just a natural binder, just a Make sure the wood holds together when they pack it together. Okay. Um, and they just, when you just set them up on like a hopper at the top of it and they just feed through like every 20 minutes. It just pumps another one out onto yeah. the platform. And it's cool, like for cold smoking, they just basically let you pop the box off from the side and, yeah. and give a little bit of a gap. So it's like less less hot, basically. Mm. So like the, the heat that's used to, to burn the... Uh, biscuits is removed from the box so yeah. you're just keeping it extra safe and and uh, from chatting to the guys that they said you don't really need to do that and for years they didn't but just to be a little bit safer yeah. like they just decided to go for certain it. times a year then like obviously in the winter you'd be fine just doing it but yeah at any other time it's just teetering on that close zone so stick it on a box on the side and away you go uh yeah, awesome. and stuck some cheddar in there and some uh, Red Leicester. So it's just wanted to make the most of the fact that I had it running for eight hours and it's got six shelves in the Bradley that I'm using. So I didn't really want to just put two salmon in it. It seemed a shame. So I was just 
rummaging around the house for things that I could put in the smoker for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse? That's yeah. what I like to hear. It is, it's fairly, f- it's on financial wise, I think I've, I think it's cost like just under a pound an hour to run it. So like in, basically you want to put as much in it as possible, don't you? Because if you're, if you're going to be running it for a pound an hour, you may as well smoke as much food as you can. So I've just scraped around. I was like picking up all sorts of things at home and Louise was saying, no, you're not smoking. <laughs> yeah, like, can I smoke this lemon in there? <laughs> I was just grabbing a guinea pig anything. doesn't need to be smoked. No. <laughs> iPhone? No, no. <laughs> just like, I've got to smoke something. I've got to, I don't want to waste my smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously Kamado Joe, which a lot of people already know about. And Yeah. We're yeah, going to so. do some low slow ribs and some yeah we got some, some uh, bacania steaks so yeah. uh, rump cap we are going to be reverse searing those so we're going to smoke them for uh, about an hour bring them up to temperature uh i'll bring them off because for me i'll probably go a little bit tiny bit rarer but we're going to bring them off at around mm, around 50 degrees let them rest for a bit <laughs> and then finish them sort of uh, hot and fast so we're going to demonstrate the uh, the smoking ability and then we're going to ramp up the temperatures for a sear so so yeah the reverse sear demo is quite a good one because it shows mm. capabilities and shows how fast and and how fast the uh commando is at getting up the temperatures yeah. so so yeah so we're going to do a bit of that sadly the people good. in the morning won't get the rack of ribs because we're going to lower slow those for the whole day so <laughs> So if you're listening, get there in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, switch your, switch your demo around. Oh, I need to do the afternoon. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. It should be a good weekend. It's great to be a part. I don't know why we're telling people that, because this is out after we've done it anyway. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, but it's, it's, it's great to be a part of uh, a company that's uh, trying to help bring barbecue even more into the, the eyes of mm-hmm. the public and, and push it and help push things. So, yeah, yeah looking forward to this. It's going to be a good couple of days it's going to say weekend but it's not a weekend so uh so yeah can't wait definitely cool full jazz see you soon yeah can't wait so thanks for tuning in guys we recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day as always we're brought to you by pro q barbecue gourmet kamado go kamado go kamado joe and smoke with shack our awesome sponsors pro q is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pit masters you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecues and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And finally, Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. So if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter under smokewoodshack. Uh, email James, actually. Uh, why not email him on Twitter? I sent him a message about seeing if he could get hold of Manuka wood. He, he thinks he might so be able jazzy. to, so I'm looking forward to that. So mm. goodbye from me. 
and goodbye from me on the best barbecue